Hypocrisy's the best policy. Wish for change, but lazily. Century of debilitation. Your evolution is a damnation. You know, one of the things I enjoy the most about hosting this podcast is when I get to sit down with players, coaches, parents, and fans to talk pucks. I recently chatted with Mike Benelli. Mike is currently working as a program architect for youth hockey clubs and teams. He specializes in growing the game through creative grassroots solutions. Mike also educates coaches and conducts player assessment and development. He has been the East District Coach-in-Chief for USA Hockey in New York, covering Long Island, Westchester, Putnam, and Dutchess Counties since 2012, and oversees the education for over 900 coaches each year in the district. Enjoy. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Trav, a.k.a. 5-Minute Major, and I'm pleased to be joined by Mike Benelli, um, I first learned about Mike um, on social media, on Twitter, and on Instagram because he's doing a lot of great things to expose more uh, young people to the sport of hockey through several different initiatives that we're going to get into today on the pod. So, Mike, thanks so much for joining me. Happy holidays. Uh, thank you, and happy holidays to you and, and everybody that's listening to uh, your podcast. Uh, thank you. Um, can you just give us a little bit about your coaching resume and background? to tell you mike i was at westchester skating academy last saturday and i've been to the floyd hall arena as well my nephew uh attends paramus catholics we were down there to watch a catholic high school game and so both nice job on both those arenas by the way i really enjoyed myself when i was there i have yet to get up to danbury but that's that's definitely on my list um yeah yeah both facilities have done a great job in westchester i mean i think one of the proudest uh pieces of you know the vision behind the owners that originally put the 
when that rink wasn't there. Right. I mean, it's, you know, I've said this before on my show. I've said it before on Twitter. I really feel that Section 1 has developed into somewhat of a hockey hotbed. Just when you look at the state championships, we've had three since 2012, Suffern in 2012, Mamaroneck in 2016, Pelham in 2017. It looks like we are ripe to send at least one, if not two, teams back up to Buffalo, hopefully come March. So, uh, and again, I really, I can't say enough good things about Westchester Skating Academy in particular. I was up on that top floor. I sat in the middle. I had a clear shot of the rink. They have a great snack bar. Like it was just a nice atmosphere. I really, I really enjoyed both games. I saw, I sat there for two games back to back and, and I could have stayed for a third if they had one. Um, uh, can you talk to us just a little bit about the whole floorball for hockey initiative and how you see that kind of growing the game and, and getting more kids involved? Yeah, this is something I actually brought to uh, when I was I had a short stint uh, down at Iona Prep uh, down in New Rochelle for a little while, and it was you know I, I do a hockey school over in Oslo in Norway and, and work with some programs over there and trying to you know, do some exchange programs with kids uh, uh, back a couple of years ago. And one of the things I was finding was these uh, these European kids were involved with inner bandy, which is really in essence floorball here in the U.S. But it was just a great uh, off ice development sport and it was so different than what we were doing uh in in floor hockey and ball hockey and running around with these wooden you know hatchet sticks and the old plastic blades that you know you were you were that you had in gym class where you were uh you know curving the blades in the doorway of the of, of the of the gym and yeah. <laughs> or having these other floppy you know plastic sticks that really didn't give you any kind of real hockey feel right so what the floorball product did what these sticks did is give our kids a real opportunity. Uh, it, it is the best floor hockey uh, experience in relation to what ice hockey is without skates on. Um, oh. Handling the ball, stick handling, the feel of the stick, uh, the way the players, uh, you know, the way you teach the sport and, and run the sport right now in all the PE classes that we run these programs in, uh, they're all geared around uh, body and ball protection and sticks down on the ground and stick on stick and stick on ball defense and all the same concepts that you have in soccer and field hockey and, and ice hockey and, and all these team sports. So it really incorporates all that in and we can do all that without having the expense and the, uh, the deterrent, right, of, of kids having to put a pair of blades on. Uh, we've been finding a lot of success with just uh, last year launched a program with the Florida Panthers, which did you know, 360 schools, uh, a 360 school outreach program uh, down in down Coral Springs, and in uh, really getting you know it's, that's getting exposure to hockey for about 140,000 kids uh, without ever having them to get on the ice. Uh, we have a great program. We're working with the New York Islanders, have incorporated uh, a couple of thousand sticks and outreach programs with their kids, and, and we've done a lot of work with the New Jersey Devils as well in their outreach program. You know, bringing a real, uh, real life hockey product through school, and that's uh, if you lo- if you look at USA Hockey and look at the people that are in charge of growing the game and and uh, building the programs uh, for our local youth hockey uh, outreach initiatives. It's all about access, and it's all about you know getting to those kids before they uh, choose a different sport. And, and as you know, you've been involved with this long enough and seeing the kids that you deal with and talk to every day uh, in your hockey world. Uh, it's a very, you know, it's just the sport is so addicting. And once you can get a kid hooked on hockey, 
whether it's street hockey or roller hockey and then ice hockey, uh, it's very hard to get them away from it. Oh, yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I mean, that's how I got hooked. I, I never played the game. I, I mentioned this to you. I can't even skate. But I remember just going, you know, as a kid growing up and suffering, going to Sportorama every Friday night, watching my buddies. And then when Suffern made those runs in 2010, 2011, 2012, and having a personal connection to those players, having had them come through my my office as a guidance counselor at the middle school, I really just got hooked. And I said, you know, how can I contribute in some way to this great sport? So I, I kind of came up with the idea of doing this. And, and I'm, I love getting people from different backgrounds, um, such as yourself, you know, on the show to talk about all the good things we're doing to try to, you know, grow this great game. And I saw on social media, again, you mentioned the, the Devils, you mentioned the Islanders, the Panthers. I've seen, you know, uh, Ken Danico with a floorball stick in his hand. You know, I've seen Seen, you know other you know current and former players uh, you know getting involved with the sport so I think it's great what you're doing um, and I'm wondering if there are any other programs or initiatives that you could currently just uh, talk about or you're involved with to try to grow the sport of hockey in addition to floorball yeah so locally it really all stems on the grassroots level I so we did I actually just did a program recently with the new New York Rangers and helping uh, helping guide them from a USA hockey perspective regionally in growing the sport and getting access to players and and uh, and families to see that you know hockey doesn't have to be a you know it, it, it's not and a lot of people perceive this right if you're in stop and shop or the A and P or a local you know establishment in the area and somebody says oh you're I see your I see your son plays hockey and he's uh, oh he's eight years old and that's crazy I wish my kid would have taken it up and you'll say well how old is your son or daughter and they'll say oh he's already eight so he's already it's already too late, and it's it's just a crazy concept to me to think that that at eight years old that you're that you're washed up and you don't have an opportunity for a career uh, and an opportunity to play a sport. Right. And uh, you know, obviously, that's a social issue more more than just a hockey issue. Sure. But what we've done is really partnered up in in providing, uh, you know, what the New York Rangers are doing locally, the Islanders do it in their region, the Devils do it in their region, is providing access uh, at a low cost and doing these learn to play and rookie initiative where kids don't have to go to Ontario every weekend to have a real hockey experience. Right. And, you know, one of the things that I think the Rangers now have 11 partner rinks in the area, Brewster being one of them, you know, Long Beach, uh, you know, some of the other local facilities that, you know, up at Ice Time Sports and, and Saugerties, you know, building these community programs and giving access to kids at the earliest stages. Uh, they have a program right now, uh, a Learn to Play League, which is 12 weeks, which is amazing for about 100. I think it's $175, and all the equipment is free. That's unreal. And I was laughing last. I was laughing the last meeting we had with the Rangers that that's less than half our kids play, pay for a little league bat right now. Right. right? So it's uh, it's just a, it's an access issue, and I think the more that our NHL clubs are coordinating with our local uh, area rinks. Uh, the more access we can give kids and the more experience they can get on trying the sport at a low cost and at a, at a, at a great time and a great experience. Oh, I would agree. I mean, uh, you know, I, I do the uh, public address for the Monroe Woodbury Crusaders who play out of ice time. So I've talked a lot to Pete Giannatiempo. I know you're good friends with him. And he tells me everything that they've got going on as far as different programs with the Rangers. And, you know, again, like you said, for $175 for 12 weeks of hockey and equipment, I mean, like that that's absolutely unheard of. Um, if we could switch gears for a minute, because I know you've got, you know, a, a varied hockey background. I know you've coached in a lot of different schools, a lot of different programs. Mike, what do you look for in a hockey player? Really, for me, is is really what what level player am I looking 
looking at, right? So ultimately, no matter if you're looking at an eight-year-old or an 18-year-old, um, I really want to see a player that has passion. You know, a player that has passion and a player that has uh, the ability to be self-motivated and self-driven and have that, uh, you know, that mom and dad aren't answering questions for them and aren't driving them, you know, to advance their game. That's uh, you get me. You get me one of those players, and you get me a player and a, and a student with passion, and all the other things will come into play, and you can work on you know, all those other aspects. You can't you can't create a a passionate, dedicated uh, player out of out of somebody that's not. And and that's uh, and sometimes we all push our kids and parents. I've seen it a lot where you know a parent you know in a private lesson or an opportunity for a an, an individual one on one meeting is you know you, you know. Coach Benelli, how, how do you, you know, can you get my kid to be tougher or can you get my kid to, you know, want to go win that battle for the puck? And the fact is, it's very difficult to do that. Now, you could get that out of a player pretty easily. You could drive passion out of a player, right. but it's very hard to find passion in a player. So that's, you know, me, that's the first thing that I want to see in any athlete, uh, not, not just a hockey player. Understood. No, I, that makes a lot of sense to me because some of those other skills can be taught. Those skills can be honed, but if you don't have that innate passion, um, you're not going to be able to teach that. Um, what characteristics, in your opinion, Mike, make a successful hockey coach? Um, successful hockey coaches, the, the ones that I emulate and try to bring myself around are, are coaches that are, that are learners, that are, that are sponges, that, that don't uh, believe that what they've done today is what should be done tomorrow. And, you know, coach that can evolve uh, with their team, uh, their coaching staff, their environment, the year they're in. Like you'll see the coaches that can't evolve and coaches that can't, um, you know, move their game to another level depending on the group that they're with. Uh, those are the coaches that just are never, are never able to be successful. Hmm. Um, what is the biggest, what's one of the biggest challenges you've, you've faced either as a coach or, you know, again, someone trying to grow the sport at different grassroots levels through different programs and initiatives. What's the biggest, what's one of the biggest challenges you face in doing that? Um, I think it's patience. I think it's the, it's the challenge of knowing that there's a long-term goal or where you want to be and, and, and being able to articulate that patience to your parents and your players that, it's a long road to where you want to get to and not, and you can't expect uh, instant success without going through some bumps in the road. And that's, that's very hard in this day and age and this world of instant gratification um, to really, to really get that, get, get that buy. And that's the hardest thing is to say, listen, that those, those two losses in November aren't going to affect us in February. And, and you need to understand that there's a process here. And my process is to, make sure that our complete team is better and that you have to trust in that process and that long-term uh, outlook of where we want to be and not that short-term, you know, this is, I'm in this moment now and I'm not happy with it. Hmm. I like that answer too, Mike. Um, two more questions for you. And we, we touched on this, <clears throat> excuse me, a little bit before we started recording. Um, how would you describe the state of hockey in the Hudson Valley? When you look at it from a uh, at the overview, you know it's been pretty successful, right? I mean, we have uh, you know a lot of successful players, and you know Brett and Steven and you know all these great athletes that are signing pro contracts, Abby Ives, and the the, 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 the success 
girls hockey and and uh, but you know the way I look at it sometimes though it's just a product of the fact that we're growing so much that we're bound to have some great success stories you know within that growth and that's a, that's a tribute to the the wink owners and the people that are putting these programs together that they're developing all these kids so our, our statistics and the kids that are going to make it are, are you know get, we're going to be in a better shape statistically to make sure these individual players can expand and I think you know we're finding we're getting those better athletes to start playing hockey earlier you know where we probably would lose maybe you know 20 years ago we would have lost these kids to well not lost them but you know we would have we would have lost the battle of uh, maybe a kid you know focusing more on baseball or football or basketball you know we're getting these kids to you know, be involved with hockey at a very early age, and we're providing the resources now in the Hudson Valley, you know, for those players to continue to be successful and, and you know, have some great consistent coaching and, and, uh, and access to, to ice time. And, uh, and last but not least, and I know you contributed a lot to uh, this discussion when I did it uh, a couple of episodes ago, and again, I appreciate it because you are a regular contributor to my show whether it's via social media, whether it's calling in like you're doing today. Uh, can you give me your thoughts on travel versus high school hockey? <laughs> so I, I'm, I, I fall more in, I think, and I think it's because of the programs I've been involved with as I've grown in my coaching career that I've, I've, I've always demanded that, you know, we, that I believe in the team concept, that I believe in uh, the program building concept that, uh, you know, for instance, when I was, I was, I was over at Immaculate High School in Danbury, Connecticut for a number of years, and I was, I was fortunate that the state of Connecticut uh, didn't allow players to play high school and club or high school and, and rec, I guess, and, and there wasn't a lot of junior and midget hockey then. But I think a lot of it is a byproduct of the fact that we don't, as, as high schools in New York and in, and in other regions, but specifically in New York, that we don't build our, our high school programs and demand that they are run like a high school program. So instead of, if you wanted to change the, the concept of, well, the only way you're gonna get better and the only exposure you're gonna get is to go play junior and midget hockey, which in fact is, is partly true because that's the highest level the sport has to offer right now. But if I was to put together a program and had two hours practices every day, uh, during quote-unquote hockey season, you know, November to the end of February, and I built that program into a developmental setting where I'm playing the best teams at the best levels and creating an environment where, you know, your allegiance is to your team and to your school and to your, uh, you know, to the logo on your jersey, you would change that. Now, is that easy? No. It's actually, it's extremely difficult, right? And I think, uh, and I think I've mentioned this before, is that, you'll see the programs that can find that consistent success are the programs that can develop that youth level from the ground up. Right. And it's not easy, uh, but I, and I think that the travel route, really, when it comes to putting together the best kids in a region, is easier because you could just take the best three kids from every region and put them all together on a team, and you've got a great level team. Um, so it's a lot harder at the high school level to do that. It can be done. I think it's just, you know, we're, we're kind of, We've uh, left the gate to the barn open here, and, and it's kind of hard to bring the you know bring everybody back in again. No, I would agree. I mean, and and there was a lot of spirited debate that centered around this issue. And I heard from a coach in uh, in Minnesota, uh, Ted Cheesebra. 
He is the uh, head coach for Centennial High School, who I think are the f- number fourth ranked team in the state of Minnesota. And he said, look, there is no travel or midget hockey in Minnesota. Kids play for the school and the community that they play, they live in. Then they go off to the high school and they play high school for the community that they live in. So, you know, in New York State, it seems like it's one of the only states that offers kids the option, at least one of the only states in this area that I know of that offers that option. And, uh, you know, travel hockey, as you alluded to and others alluded to on on a previous episode, travel hockey is the only uh, sport where the travel season and the regular season, high school season, meet at the same time instead of summer. You know, so I definitely think, you know... I've said it before that, you know, again, while the compete level at the travel hockey level is obviously, you know, more competitive, more skilled, you cannot replicate what it's like to be in front of your family and your friends and your community at a random tournament in Maryland or Pennsylvania or, you know, wherever travel hockey takes you. So, Mike, I really do. hoping that all at some point all the stakeholders you know will certainly be willing to sit down with someone like yourself that has the kind of background and experience that you have uh, with some of these fresh kind of ideas um, you know if we can get all the stakeholders around the same table and come up with a solution that's in the children's best interest and the player's best interest I mean that would absolutely be music to my ears so right. Mike I really do appreciate you taking the time out uh, during the holiday week during the break to speak with me. Uh, we've been talking with, I've been talking to Mike Benelli. Uh, he's doing some really, really big things, some good things to try to grow the sport of hockey at the grassroots level, expose kids who maybe won't have an opportunity to play the sport 
or see the sport or be exposed to the sport in any other way but through the different initiatives that Mike's outlined. So again, Mike, uh, I wish you and your family a very happy uh, holiday season and a healthy new year. Much peace, um, good health and prosperity in 2018. Mike, I appreciate that. It's been such a fun ride. I'm, I can't believe I'm coming up on my one-year anniversary. It just seems like I started this yesterday. But, uh, you know, the, the, the train is going to move right along. Uh, I'm certainly not slowing down, not at least until the state championships. Then I might wind up doing a show once a month instead of, you know, once a week. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah, take a break. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Be well. We'll talk soon. Okay, thanks, Montrose. You got it.